Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, folks. It's Rick Wilson, and welcome to The Daily Beast's The New Abnormal. Hi, I'm Molly Jongfast, a left-wing pundit and editor-at-large at The Daily Beast. I'm also an editor at The Daily Beast, a former Republican political strategist, best-selling author, and full-time troublemaker. We're here to have fun, sharp conversations with some of the smartest people in media, politics, business, and science that help make what's happening in the country and the world clearer. I'll try to keep Rick to the minimum number of F-bombs and try to keep our kids, pets, and other wildlife sounds from invading our respective bunkers. Rick Wilson. Good morning, Molly John Fast. Good morning in your in undisclosed location. Where are you? Don't even tell us what's going on. I'm in Park City, Utah. By now, it doesn't matter if people know because it's been leaked, but um, it's very beautiful here and it's a cool, crisp, clear morning with which to welcome the 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 imminent announcement of President-elect Joseph Robinette Biden and Donald Trump being fucked into the annals of history as the low-life scumbag, one-term shitbird that he is. Talk to us about the Senate. What the fuck are we going to do here? We're going to go win the Georgia race against Kelly Loeffler is what we're going to do here. You know, Mitch McConnell dumped $220 million of lobbyist money into these races. There were still some races out there that got close that were in the ballpark. But I'm going to say this with all love and affection. Candidates quality matters. Great candidates matter. Some places, even a great candidate can't get up over the hump. I mean, look, we, we worked very hard to help Jamie Harrison. Very, yeah. very hard. He was a great candidate who raised a lot of money. He was a great candidate. What about Cal Cunningham? Well, I mean, maybe not having an affair while you're having a campaign is a smart idea. <laughs> right. I think that's that, what I'm I think that I think that was probably and, and and having it leak. I think that was that was, you know, that's one of those externalities. He would have had that race in the bag. Right. But he couldn't keep his dick in the bag. And what about Sarah Gideon? There's still 30% of the vote out in Maine. We'll see where that goes. And look, you've got to also remember, outside of Portland, Maine is Alabama with a different accent. Yeah. And it, and, and, and I will tell you, uh, here we go. I will tell you, outside of Portland, things like gun control are issues by which they say, you're not from around here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> I mean, guys, the Senate is a letdown. I get it. Part of what happened with the Senate was that it was tightly constrained in some ways by the presidential campaign sucking up all the oxygen. Right. And in a lot of these states, it became a proxy fight. And in some of the places that Democrats invested a lot of money for, for good and heartfelt reasons, you know, they poured a 10 or $12 million into MJ Hager in the end in a race that as much as John Cornyn is like watching a bowl of vanilla ice cream melt, right? he was still running well ahead of Trump in Texas. Could Beto have won that seat? You know, it's an interesting counterfactual, and I don't know the answer to that, Molly. Maybe. Uh, he certainly has more name ID than MJ Hager did, and he certainly has a fundraising machine that, that could have gone to work on it. And he's done a lot of work at the grassroots in terms of yeah. organizing. So he, I, I would say he probably could have. Yeah. But with candidates and candidates wanting to run, you know, unless they want to run, 
You can't make them run. Trust me on this one. I have been (laughs) to this particular painful fucking rodeo too many times. You're the perfect candidate. You have all the money in the world. You can do this. You can do that. You've got a great reputation. Yeah, but my wife wants to go on vacation next year. (laughs) I'm not even kidding you when I tell you that is an absolutely true fucking story. I remember a story of you sitting on a certain man's porch and begging him to run. I do. I, yes, yes, that did yes. happen. That did happen. And you can't make him do it. Right. Can we put to bed people who run for Congress and then lose and then run for the fucking Senate? Like, can we say if you lose a congressional race, MJ Hager, John Ossoff, you should not then immediately qualify for a Senate race? Look, winning matters. And there are a lot of people who get a sort of buzz on the, from the media in terms of being a campaigner and a hot property as, as a national figure, they think, okay, well, yeah, I didn't make the the fourth congressional district race, but why not? I can scale to a, a U.S. Senate race. The Senate, right. You know, I, I was thinking about this a little while ago. I just, you know, a, a donor just asked me, what did we do wrong with our Senate recruiting? I said, I'm going to give you a more complete answer later. And then he responded, he goes, what should we be doing for 2022? I said, the Democrats should be recruiting every male military veteran they can find to run for office. And I mean that without any sexist overlay, but in Texas and Kentucky, if MJ Hagar had been Michael Hagar, uh, the, the military record would have been different in the minds of those voters in Texas who are not, you know, again, not woke, not sophisticated people in, in a lot of in, in that regard. It is just there, there's, a, there, uh, there's a degree in the Democratic Party that you know we don't we don't want we're white men but if you're running in in West Virginia or Texas or Kentucky or Alabama go with the white dude i mean i i mean that with with just pure political calculus nothing else but a john ossoff is a white guy and he sucks he, but he's not the right <laughs> I'm white guy sorry. <laughs> john ossoff looks like a guy from the av club right you <laughs> the guy who looks like he's from the the first infantry division can we just agree that Democrats fucking owe a big time John McCain's widow. Yes, they they owe they owe Cindy McCain a great debt of gratitude in Arizona. But Mark Kelly also ran a great campaign. And again, what is his main characteristic? Uh, military service, astronaut, Navy pilot, all that thing, all that stuff mattered to those kind of voters that you want to swap over. As we're going to talk about with Carville in a little bit, you know, there is a cultural disconnect in this country. Democrats started to get it and Biden got a lot of it, but he could have had a sweeping victory if the party had been more willing to address some of that sooner. I, I listen, I, I hear from a lot of Democrats this morning and they're disappointed about the Senate races, but have I mentioned that they won the fucking White House? <laughs> He's going to have a bigger popular vote victory than 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 Hillary Anyone Clinton, ever, right? and he's gonna have yeah, and he's gonna have not, not bigger than Obama, two thousand eight. No, right, but but right. he's gonna have an electoral college lock here shortly, where he cannot, where no no amount of Trump fuckery is gonna undo it. Okay, Donald Trump is about to ride into the fucking sunset, and by sunset I mean prison, <laughs> in the immediate future. People need to be of good cheer. This is a stunning victory. It says something about our our political pessimism in the era of Trump that everyone's depressed about this outcome. Get the fuck out of here. 
We just beat Donald fucking Trump. It's going to roll up. Look, it's, it, this may be some misery for the next couple of weeks with lawsuits and back and forth. And I, I'm probably going to spend a lot of time on the phone trying to make sure the, that nobody breaks and gives up. Look, I said from the beginning, this will be a tight race. Yeah. And I said from the beginning, Trump would declare victory when he had not won. And I said from the beginning that it was going to grind out and there would be a gigantic, titanic legal battle with this fucking guy. My prophecy has all come to pass. (laughs) I am Zoltar. I am the mystic future. Yeah, you don't need sleep. You're good. (laughs) You You just stay up. But we've got James Carvall, who is like the greatest person in the entire world and is going to tell us how to feel. James Carvall, tell me how to feel. If, if you would have said, you're going to have the biggest election in your lifetime, and when you're an old man, and I'll tell you two things even better. You're going to win the popular vote, and you're going to win the electoral college vote, but the deal is you're going to feel like shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, that's just where I am now. I think... In a country that desperately needs change, I mean, you you name whatever it is, we need action. Yes, we will have competent cabinet secretaries, and yes, we'll have competent ambassadors, and the people at the the White House, the trains will run on time, and that's about it. That's something that's a lot more than we got now, but it's not anything close to what we all were hopeful for. Yeah, I mean, can we squarely put the blame here on the pollsters? Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they told us last night we were going into a blue tsunami in which Democrats would win Georgia, North Carolina. And I would like to rem- remind everyone that, like, this week, Dave Wasserman and I were, you know, I he tweeted, Texas is in play. And I said, is Texas really in play? And he was like, it's been in play for a while. And I was like watching the election returns. And I was like, that doesn't fucking look like in play to me. Well, now look, we're no worse than 50-50 in Georgia. Yeah, that's true. So, and I mean, what what happened is, is that these, you know, I, I suspect that we'll be doing deep dives into everything. But the percentage of uh, non-college whites must have been astronomical. And they were all you know, modeling to reflect that. And I I actually thought incorrectly that they would overshoot. Yeah, me too. You know, just because human nature got to straddle the the, the artillery. So I thought the post was overshoot. The truth of the matter is they undershot again. And, you know, at at the end of the day, the country is really changing. I mean, it's changing demographically, it's changing culturally, and people are just resisting that change. Mm -hmm. Right? That they feel like they're left out. They're not part of the culture. And somehow or another, to a lot of these people, you, you know, that just it's just a way to tell people who think, you know, to just to fuck off, okay? Right. I don't like your, your hipness. <laughs> I don't like your, your diversity. I don't like your culture. I don't like, you know. Right. There weren't enough of them, but, you know, and let's not forget, I mean, we actually won. Right. We've got to keep that in the back of our mind. But it, it, it it's a victory... But it doesn't, right now, it doesn't seem like one. I'm sure when Biden gets inaugurated, you know, I don't know what he's going to be able to do. The other thing is that Kamala Harris is going to have a hard time being a front runner in 2024. The thing that I think is interesting is, so a lot of this polling, people have said, well, there are these shy Trump voters. These are shy Trump voters. But actually what we're seeing is like shy 
you know, Susan Collins voters. So clearly in the Senate, pollsters were more wrong about the Senate than they were about the presidency. Yeah, I think so. And I just talked to, I got an update from a guy in Pennsylvania and talked to people all more wrong. They're very confident Biden is going to win Pennsylvania, but a lot of down ballot, they voted Republican, particularly in the suburbs. And I think there was a, a divided government 2% instinct here. Can you talk about that? Well, there, there were people who had been Republicans most of their lives, and they couldn't stomach Trump. So they said, okay, I'm going to vote for, for, for Trump. I mean, I'm voting against Trump, but I, I can't go with the Democrats. I don't, I don't much like them. I've never been one. So a down ballot, and we didn't do as well as we hoped in the congressional races at all, nor the Senate. And I think when we unearth these, some of these state legislative races and stuff, we're going to find that Republicans ran ahead of Trump a little bit in some, some of these places, particularly in these kind of suburban places. That's what I think. I don't have the hard evidence is yet to come in, but that'd be one of the first places I'd look. I mean, it sure seems like that when you look at the Senate races, right? I mean, I mean, we were told, right, Teresa Greenfield was going to, that looks like a pipe dream or, or Jamie Harrison. I, I'm especially angry about the Senate. I find that enraging. Well, I, yeah, I guess angry. I mean, I'm profoundly disappointed. I mean, I know the guys and, you know, like had friends in a lot of these races. You know, and to, to somebody like me, it's a it, there's a human toll. Yeah. And you take a Morgan Jackson in North Carolina, you know, a David Keith in Alaska. You know, when you lose one of these things, it's just miserable, you know, Steve Bullock. I mean, what you what we got to do is dust off because we're probably going to have two runoffs in Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> it's been difficult, but I mean, it's hard to brush yourself off, you know, but you got to get you got to get back in the game. Yesterday, I said, I just can't go another day. I'm so glad this is coming. I'm fucking fried. I don't know what to do. But you don't have the ability to be fried. You just have to get up and shake it off and go back in. That's what we're going to do because we don't have anything. We don't have any other choice. Yeah. We have no other choice. And God, you know, this going to be the gridlock. And of course, he's old. It's going to take a lot of skill. He's got a lot of stuff to navigate. I just hope that he can do it. I do think that if you're going to have a divided government, he has a lot of experience with getting along with the Republicans. And he'll get along with them. But it's pretty simple that they're sent there not to get along with Biden. They're sent there and the people are going to be mad when Trump is going to stir people up to no end. Mm-hmm. They're going to, you know, they're going to make this thing as ugly as they can. And what is proven is the Republicans that try to break from Trump, they get punished. And they're not going to be that interested in helping Biden. Yeah. I know you do stuff by and, and the courts are not going to be friendly at all to him. No. I mean, he's going to have a, a, a federal judiciary that is stacked against him. He's going to have a U.S. Senate that's stacked against him. I mean, he's got some really formidable challenges here. To say the obvious, the virus is, go- is not going anywhere. When do you get the excess hospital capacity? And these guys think it's a hoax. He's, you know, he's not going to be able to do anything about a mask mandate. Yeah. I mean, you know, the Michigan militia is not going anywhere. And police are, are not going to stop shooting people. Too much interaction. Something goes wrong. I mean, as a, I, I, hope, and I hope the guy, you know, I think that the people around him, he'll appoint really competent people. Then the party is, you know, the argument is going to be, you see, James, you went along with a corporatist Democrat and you hang out with all these Republicans. You know what happens? We, they, we, the Latinos don't show up. Our base doesn't show up because they're just tired of, of Tweedly D and Tweedly Dumb. If we're going to live with that shit forever. The never Trumpers, 
Republicans are going to try to, you know, ruin everybody's career. Right. <laughs> and you people, you know, were disloyal and the lefties are going to like come after it. And I don't think Kamala Harris is going to have a tough time being the front runner. And because of what happened in the House, the House Democratic caucus is going to be more liberal than it was before because we lost a bunch of these suburban seats we picked up, like Joe Cunningham and people like that, Kendra Horn. So, if I, you know, if I, if I told you that I wasn't feeling very good, I wouldn't be lying to you. <laughs> okay? Oh, I mean, it just, James, it was not doing any good to bullshit anybody. Yeah. No, I agree. You know, that, that, that's not a winning hand. You know, what we got to do, Molly, is, you know, we got to remind ourselves this is a work in progress. It, we, we thought that this would, you know, that this would be over and somehow or another, you know, we'd get to take a few days off and, you know, <laughs> you know do Zoom calls and be giddy. And that's not the case. I don't want to be annoying here, but it does seem like there's a case for optimism in the movement of Texas. Yeah, but, you know, remember, it moved really hard in, in 2018, and, and it kind of moved back a little bit. Yeah. All right? But but it is. It can, yeah, look at, I mean, Georgia is a, is a real case for optimism. And North Carolina. North Carolina was, was closer than it was before. The, the, the obvious, the big problem, you know, is, is South Florida. Yeah. What do you think happened there? I don't know. Hillary did pretty good in South Florida. She, she came out of Miami like 330,000 vote margin. And Biden only comes out with 100,000. He had some trouble with the socialism stuff, I think, really dug in with them. Yeah. Look, the, the, James is absolutely right. The socialism attack in South Florida is so deadly and so persistently powerful with 50 plus Cubans that, you know, Trump invested a massive amount of resources into it. And that split off that 100 plus thousand votes. In, in a way that just we could we couldn't offset it. We spent a lot of money in Seminole trying to rev up Puerto Rican voters and we and we successfully right. took a red county and flipped it. But there just weren't enough Puerto Rican votes to offset the Cuban votes in that space. What percent did we get in Seminole, Rick? Because I thought if we won Seminole, well, we won Duval. We did win Duval. We also won Osceola. Right. <laughs> I mean, we lost the fucking thing in Miami Dade. We did. No, no, James, 100%. We, we, we just didn't get the numbers off the top we needed in Miami Dade. Uh, we got uh, 50.7 to 49, 47.9. In Seminole. I'd have said that enough to win. Like I said, we were pounding the Puerto Rican message in, in the Orlando media market the whole time. We got Osceola by good numbers. And Orange, right. of course, we took easily. But we, we we just didn't get the numbers we needed in Miami-Dade. And we we thought we'd have a little better numbers in Pinellas, but we just didn't get there either. We I mean, we won Pinellas, but it just wasn't enough. The Molly and I were talking. And I said, look, this is the biggest election shit my lifetime, but before my lifetime. And I wake up in the morning. We won the popular vote, and we're going to win the Electoral College, and I feel like fucking shit. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I feel like I've been hit by a uh, and we won! <laughs> right, we won, we won, but, you know, it's, it's I'm talking to all my, my, my brethren this morning, and it's like, we know we're going to grind this thing out, we're going to get Wisconsin, we're going to get Michigan, we're going to lawyer it out in Pennsylvania, and we're going to win Pennsylvania. And yeah, that'll be that. Think- It'll be a very, a very fine, clean electoral college win. But it is still like a, it is still like you feel dirty after having to campaign. It's like wrestling pigs. You don't right. you didn't like being in the mud with you. Yes, it's always like wrestling pigs, isn't it? <laughs> it's often an example I use. There's a lot of pig wrestling going on around here. Rick Wilson, how much sleep did you get last night? 
None. None. Wow. I, I slept four hours. I went to bed at 11. I, I salute you. <laughs> now, by the way, Rick, my guys tell me that Pennsylvania is is more secure than not. Yeah, my, my our folks are telling us that was one of the calls I, I just was dealing with. The number of, of mail ballots in the collar counties around Philadelphia and in Philadelphia proper is way in excess of what we need. Yeah, somebody, one, one reliable person could win by as much as 200,000 votes. Yeah, that's that's what I'm, I'm, I'm hearing, a similar range. And and I look, and I think the numbers coming out of, of Michigan right now, yeah, there's a right. big trench of votes not counted in Wayne County. Right, the uh, upshot is all but said that Biden's going to win. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's and, it, and, if you win that, that you, you, you bust the number. We're, we're going to go past bust the number, I think. Nevada... And Arizona are going to be, you know, they'll finally finish counting. Yeah, Ralston says Nevada's done. Yeah, yeah. And if, if, Ralston, say, if Ralston says it, that to me, Nevada is the voice of God. Right, right. There's a bunch of votes in Milwaukee, some purple and blue areas uh, around Green Bay that are that are going to come in. La Crosse has another, like, probably six, 7,000 blue votes that are right. going to come in. I'm looking forward to revisiting the people that were in my Twitter feed last night saying, Trump 2020, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if we have so so what can you tell us something to be happy about with the Senate? Because it looks like the Senate is where the fuckery really went down last well, night. You know, we forced Mitch McConnell to spend two hundred million dollars. And, you know, we're, we're still going to go into Georgia because Kelly Loeffler is a vulnerable and uh, and broken person. Did she win? She is a runoff. runoff. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, she won the runoff. She beat Doug Collins. I think is Molly saying. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's great because she's much more easy, she's easier to defeat than Doug Collins, right? She's more of a Roy Moore. For sure. I mean, look, they're both crazy. I I, I can take either one of them. Right. But Loeffler, forget it. Yeah, Loeffler is 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 cuckoo. So there are still some votes, I'm told, in Fulton, DeKalb, and Cobb. Or did they, are those done? No, not at all. In fact, I've talked to this guy. He's, he, he is like the best Democratic quant in Georgia. Right. He actually thinks, you, you know, not, you got to be careful because, you know, they, they work so hard in this. Sure. Think. He actually thinks that, that Biden could carry Georgia. And they'll, we'll have a count at noon, a pretty good count by the end of the that's what I'm hearing is, and one of the lawyer things I was, I was just communicating with somebody on was we're we're watching out for any any fuckery from Kemp. But right now, Gwinnett still has a pool of votes that didn't get counted last night due to some software bullshit. Uh, it's eighty six thousand votes, um, and Fulton Cobb and DeKalb still have a bunch of votes out. And so, right, this is uh, six o'clock this morning, right? Chris, is there any more updates on what's left? Answer. Not really 250K uncounted absentee that we know about, 150K in DeKalb, Fulton, and scattered elsewhere. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it's actually 280K or 290K with a lot extra in the big four, because that doesn't count any ballots that would have been returned on Tuesday. About 30K came back on Monday, and there were some ballots outstanding from very reliable voters. 88% of the votes still it is in from Cobb, but that's a good number. That's a good pool right there from Cobb alone. 
Uh, and again, the Gwinnett thing, we don't know what the, we don't know if that 86,000 is in the pool of or not on the report. Right. So, but if that, if that's the case, it could, it could force Purdue into a runoff if he gets below 50%. If that, that would be awesome. In fact, we'd all be living in Georgia. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. I, I can throw a rock to Georgia from my house. <laughs> and Georgia's not terrible, right? No, I mean, right. there's this city right. there, right? right? Tell me. No. There's all kinds of great places. <laughs> Um, But if it's two runoffs in Georgia and do we see anything else? So Biden is going to win Maine one, but not Maine two. But not Maine two. And Senator concerned Susan Collins is going back to the Senate. But look, Mitch McConnell was forced to spend $200 million uh, defending those seats. The runoffs are going to be... The runoffs, the runoff or runoffs in Georgia are going to be absolutely critical. We're in a spot right now, I think, where the 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 candidate selection and messaging lesson is going to come back again and again and again. And you know, the the closest of the presidential race ended up affecting the way the Senate races played out. Yeah. Yesterday we talked, Rick and I, and I said, we're going to win this thing by a lot. And Rick said, it's going to be tight. And this entire time you've said you thought it was actually going to be really tight. I have. I've said it on the podcast. I've said it in articles. I've said it on my my LPTV broadcast. But why? What did you know that Nate Silver didn't know? Well, here's the thing. A lot of these states that we were going to we're going to potentially compete in, like Texas and Georgia, are still quite red states with a couple of blue spots. And I, as I've written a lot, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin are not woke. A, a progressive Democrat in Michigan is basically a, a centrist conservative <laughs> in California. These, these are states that are not, they are not liberal states. They have good, you know, the working class vote in those states is, is very dispositive. But the, culturally, a lot of those people you know, uh, you, you can have a lot of guys in, in, say, Michigan or Pennsylvania that are union, that are blue collar and, and are culturally more conservative. And they can. And, and look, Bill Clinton and Barack Obama managed to get a lot of those votes. Yeah. Well, we spent 80 million dollars in 77 counties in yeah. Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. I believe it. Yeah. And, you know, I don't. I don't know how much effect we had, but had, you know, but it's a goddamn good thing we did. I mean, we just constantly, you know. When everybody was going nuts about Arizona and Georgia and North Carolina, you know, we started this project saying if we hold that, we can't lose. Yeah. How yeah. much impact we had, but our strategic inclination certainly was validated. I mean, if I go back yeah. to our donors and say, shit, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And this year, we, we've spent a lot of time under the radar going after to, to split out in Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Arizona an awful lot of these softer Republican voters to get over what we call the Bannon line, as he calls it, three, four percent. And it, it, by the by, the time this is over, it looks like our model will be validated on that stuff. But it is, you know, it is nerve wracking as shit. And and everybody would have loved to have a Florida or a Texas or a Georgia on the map last night. Right. Well, we might get Georgia. The, we the still Georgia, might get Georgia. I, yeah. And, and who knows what's going on with the mail ballots that DeJoy is holding off in the Postal Service, because that that story, that that's the Jesus. lawyer stuff I'm dealing with right now, is there's going to be a challenge on that front, like I think in the next couple of hours. Well, guys, look, I thought that we would all talk about how much fun it was to work together. 
It was so much fun. We're going to get to do it some more. Yeah. <laughs> it was so good. And it was such an exhilarating experience. <laughs> it seems like we gotta, we, we're not going to stop having fun. Before you leave us, pick a fuck that guy for us. Who is the guy? Who do you think really needs to fuck off after this? Probably the American Association of Public Opinion Research. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, yeah, it's a... Uh, you know, and, and Rick is right. The, the, the sort of cultural dynamic is you know, they're not woke and they feel like that the entire culture is set against them. The, the country is being transformed in ways that they're not as important as they used to be. And when that happens, people have a tendency to dig in. I mean, ultimately, they're going to lose. But, right. you know, ultimately, I'm 76. They got to lose now. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get into things, we have a fun little treat. There are so many insane things happening in the world right now, and two episodes a week just aren't enough to cover it all. So, The New Abnormal is going to release a limited-run series of bonus interviews over the next few weeks for Beast Inside members only. We'll release a new one each Sunday, but listen carefully. Only Beast Inside members will have access to these. So, head over to thenewabnormal.thedailybeast.com to become a Beast Inside member now. That's newabnormal.thedailybeast.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, there's something I've really been needing to get off of my chest lately, which is that everyone and their mother should listen to the Andre 3000 album because it lifts my spirits on a regular basis, 1000%. We all carry around different problems, big and small. And let's be honest, when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. That's where therapy comes in. It's like this safe space where you can unload all those burdens and start figuring out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy can make a difference. I know this from firsthand experience. And it's not just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for anyone who wants to improve their mental well-being. Therapy can help you learn coping skills. It can teach you how to set better boundaries. And it can make you be a better version of yourself. If you're considering therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online, which means it's convenient, flexible, and fits into your schedule seamlessly. Plus, getting started is as easy as filling out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And the best part, you can switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. So why wait? Take that first step towards a happier, healthier you with 
BetterHelp. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash The New Abnormal today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash The New Abnormal. Rick Wilson? Yes? Who's your fuck that guy? My fuck that guy du jour is, of course, perennial favorite, Louis DeJoy. <laughs> yeah, that's a good choice. Who on Tuesday uh, flatly defied a court order and said, no, fuck you. I'm not going to go find the absentee vote and or, and vote by mail ballots in the postal system. Fuck you. There are at least 300,000 of them floating around, apparently just for Florida. Now, that won't change the outcome of the election in Florida. But this idea that you get to just say to a court order, go fuck yourself, is not one that is um, extant in Western jurisprudence. This is uh, high-grade high fuckery. I think Louis DeJoy has well earned that. Yeah. And, you know, and, and look— the DeJoy strategy of slowing down the, the postal service and breaking this, breaking the mail delivery system very deliberately and very consciously has played out exactly as they wanted it to. So here we are. Yeah, no, I agree. But I, I'm going to go with um, all pollsters. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck those fuckers. You come at me, Nate Silver. You get the. Oh, wow. Okay. Pollsters wow. get. All right, you don't tell me it's going to be a fucking blue wave. And then I, you know, you you don't get to break, you shame on you, shame on me. You don't get to shame, I'm quoting W here. You don't get to shame again. Well, uh, let me say this. Two words that never came out of my mouth in this election cycle, except as we're not going to have, uh, were, were blue and wave. Yeah. And there was always going to be something that was very culturally contingent in this campaign. And that, and that blue wave, it's any wave, by the way, these days is going to be much, 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 much harder to achieve because of the siloing and the, and the, and the polarization of the two parties into their particular media bubbles. So, but with that, but with that, we beat Donald Trump. On that note, we'll wrap up this episode of The New Abnormal from The Daily Beast. In future episodes, we'll be talking with smart folks from The Daily Beast and beyond from media, culture, politics, and science who will help us understand what's happening to our country and the world. We hope you'll subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and share the show on social media. We're just getting started and don't want you to miss an episode. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, I'm Molly Jongfast, and he's The Rick Wilson. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again on the next episode. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.